Good morning, everyone. Um, you know, sometimes the kingdom of God is like a, a treasure hidden in a field. And uh, you're ac- you sort of go walking through the field and you accidentally trip over something. And it's like, oh, look, there's the kingdom. And I wasn't even looking for it. And then, you, you know, the Gospels talk about how the kingdom is like that. And then you actually go away and divest and you liquidate everything that you have to be able to get that treasure that you've accidentally just tripped over due to the kindness of God. <laughs> the kingdom of God sometimes is like this, very small. And um, sometimes, you know, when, when we're praying for God to show us, like, who God, who God, it feels like, oh, I can't see, I can't see, I can't see. And then there's other times where the kingdom is just like, you have to work hard to not see the kingdom. You have to work very hard to not see the kingdom of God because it's breaking in all around us and all over us. The other week, Nicole and I were flying back from Newcastle um, and it's a um, on a little... Um, Dash 8 aeroplane and, you know, with the props on each side. And the, the Dash 8s, they have about, I think they seat maybe about 60 people, I think. And so it's just configured with two seats on each side of the aisle and a very skinny um, aisle and and they're a very loud plane. But anyway, uh, because of the the, um, the propellers. But anyway, so I, I, Nicole and I, we just facilitated these meetings and I was completely spent. I was tired mentally, emotionally, spiritually, every other way. I was just like, I had my big headphones ready, just lock them on, do not disturb sign goes on with them as they go on and sort of like, I am just keeping myself focused on just right in front of me because I actually don't want to catch anybody's eye by chance in case God might show me something about them. And I was just like working very, very hard to not see what God was up to. And so um, sometimes the Christian life is like that, isn't it? God is just at work all around us. And we have to work just as hard sometimes to not see the kingdom, even as we work sometimes just as hard to see the kingdom. And um, so anyway, we get on this flight and um, and I, Nicole and I sit in A and B. And then uh, so I sit in there and I just, I'm locked in, I'm, the plane takes off and I'm focused and I've I punch on a a, um, a podcast I was listening to about um, just you know getting some equipping for my own personal life and journey with Jesus from some teachers I was listening to. And as I'm doing that, I'm like, yes, I'm in my space. I'm, uh, the do not disturb sign with my earphones is on. Everyone can clearly see this. And then I happen to turn and actually look at the guy who was across the aisle from me. Now there was my first mistake, having my eyes open. That was my first mistake. I just had my eyes open and I looked across and um, he was a, he was a um, uh, gentleman. He was from like uh, New Guinea. He was a gentleman from New Guinea. Um, he, was, he was really built character. He looked like a rugby league player. He was very fit looking. And, and I sort of looked just past him and it was obviously, it looked like his mother was with him. And, um, and then as I was just kind of like focusing my attention back over here to the seat in front of me, I noticed that his leg was covered with uh, like a big metal frame all over it. He'd obviously had some pretty major surgery and it was, his, his ankle was like ballooned. It was terrible. It was, anyway, and so for the rest of the flight, I'm like sitting like this. I'm like, Lord, 
I don't want to see you. I don't want to see what you're doing today. I'm tired. I want some me time. And um, as we're flying along, I spent the next hour and 15 minutes trying to convince God that really he didn't need me to be there that day and that he could use someone else, anyone else. There's a plane full of people right there that he could use to extend his kingdom to this person that was within reach because the kingdom of God is at hand. And quite literally in the Greek, it means if you're to stretch out the length of your arm, there is the reality of the inbreaking rule and reign of God. And so I, we land the plane. The, well, I don't land the plane, but they land the plane. And then I kind of like we'd start taxiing off the runway towards the, the terminal. And I'm just like, all right, Lord. And so I took my earphones off and I just... Because it's a small plane, literally, you can lean like this and you're almost touching each other across the aisle. And I just leant over to him and I said, looks like you've had some pretty bad damage to your leg. That didn't take a scientist, did it? Or it wasn't rocket science? Anyway, he told me the situation. He said, oh, I've just spent seven weeks in the hospital and um, it was a workplace accident where I, a big um, slashing machine uh, literally... Um, cut his foot off basically and it was just kind of hanging on by a little bit of damaged bone that was left and some skin and he said they've and then he started pointing out all the bits that they've taken from other parts of him to put into his ankle and it was all bloated and swollen and stuff and um, so anyway I'm just like okay um, Lord Uh, anyway so we get closer to the to the terminal and I just said listen mate I said, oh, look, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's God. I think he likes to heal people in your kind of circumstances. Would you be all right if I prayed for you that the pain and the recovery would, or the pain would disappear quickly, the recovery would come quickly, and that you'd be able to get back on with your life? And he just looked at me like, like this, and then he went, yes, please. And so I just... I, I go to reach over to pray, lean to pray, and as I'm putting my hand towards him, he grabs my hand and he pulls me like almost out of my seat and into his seat. He pulled me right up in close to him. And so, um, so much so, like our faces were like this, you know, next to each other. And, and I just like, I just start praying according to the Holy Spirit and how he's showing me how to pray. And, and anyway, in the process of that, like Karen was describing for the um, the guy that they were praying for that they purchased the motorbike off, this there was a spiritual phenomena that took place as I'm praying for this guy. All of a sudden, it was like there on the tarmac in the in the Dash Eight Qantas airplane on aisle three. The Holy Spirit decided that would be a really good time to bring the kingdom of God to this gentleman, and so this gentleman just came under. The power of God. He all of a sudden his whole body got flushed with heat, and he and he looked at me, and we're so we're this close to each other. So he's looking at me like, "What's going on to me with me?" And I just said, "Mate, this is just Jesus loving you, and he's just letting you know that he wants to bring your his kingdom for you, and he wants to not just do that for you right now, but for your every day of your whole life if you'd like a relationship with him." And so, and then at that point, he just starts crying and the tears are rolling. I mean, this is a big hulking guy, you know, made me look like a toothpick, this guy. And, um, and yet God, um, his name is Shannon, 
and then uh, he, he, uh, we finished praying together and I introduced him just gently to Jesus and he welcomed Jesus into his reality. And I said, now, I don't know what's going to happen for you from here on. I said, you've got a journey to make and so do I, but I know God's going to set you up with some more Jesus people. So keep your eyes open and you'll, you'll see them and you'll know to hang out with them. But I was just like, sometimes the kingdom is, is kind of like, and you actually, it's like a treasure hidden in a field and you accidentally find the kingdom of God. Other times the kingdom of God is so incredibly present that we have to work very hard to ignore the fact that God is at work in all of his creation. So both ends of those realities are true, aren't they, for the follower of Jesus. And so uh, I just wanted to give testimony this morning to the reality. God, particularly for those of us... Um, to the idea that you're actually, I feel like you're actually working hard to not see the kingdom. You're actually working really hard to not see the kingdom in this season. And Jesus is opening your eyes up and calling you to partner with him. You know, Karen said that word invitation. And that's what Jesus did, didn't he, in Mark's gospel. What did he say to people? He said, come, follow. It's just an invitation. He let the invitation land on the people. It was up to them if they took it or not. But he, his, he, his kingdom responsibility as the bringer of the kingdom was say, hey, come, come, you're invited. Come and follow what King Jesus might do. And so I just encourage you this week, even as Karen has, to um, invite people to come and follow. This morning I want to just very briefly begin to uh, frame up a conversation that we're going to have for the next little while as a local church in regards to how his kingdom, his work on the cross, over the grave and in his resurrection, and now we will celebrate soon in the Christian calendar, his ascension with the, to be with the Father. But, but in all of that dynamic and his ruling and reigning, I want to talk about how when, uh, when we enter a relationship with Jesus, we actually enter into his kingdom story. We enter into his kingdom story and we actually no longer live in our, in our centred story. We actually give away our story for the story of Jesus because we see in Jesus what true human living is meant to be all about. Now, let me just see that I've got my little thing working here. There we go. Terrific. Uh, a few months back, Nicole and I, we had um, – it was an absolute joy-filled experience – to be able to um, celebrate our oldest daughter's 21st birthday. She's in serving the children in Little Jive this morning, but Caitlin, and it was an amazing um, evening. It was a night that was full of stories. It was a night that was full of people. It was a night full of food and good drink and joy, and everyone dressed up a little fancy. It was a really nice night, you know. We wore our, you know, our good clothes out for the night. And um, there was loads and loads of good stuff going on. But the evening was clearly centred on Caitlin. The evening was centred on her life, on her story, on her experience of life. And everyone that got to come into the function room where we held her celebration, they got to enter into Caitlin's story. They, they, and the only reason why, um, well, part of the reason is that 
in, in the entering of that room, they entered her event. It wasn't their party. It wasn't my party. It wasn't Nick's party. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about Nick. It wasn't about our other members of our family. It wasn't about any of the people in the room. It was about Caitlin. She was the reason we were having the party. She was the one whose story we were celebrating. It was all about her. And we, as we stepped into the room, we stepped into her story. When we come into the kingdom of God, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and King, we enter his story where he is the one that we're centered on, where it's his life where it's his authority, where it's his kingdom that we're participating in. It's not, Jesus, would you hurry up and get into my story so that you can make my story everything I want it to be. It's quite the reverse. It's actually your story, God, is so compelling in the person of Jesus that I'm actually choosing to crucify my story in Jesus and die to that and come alive to the story of Jesus Christ alive in me. I'm entering the kingdom of God. And in fact, in the entering of the kingdom of God, at the same time, you are exiting. You are exiting the kingdom that you and I were all born under, which is a kingdom of darkness, the dominion of Satan. We have been called out of the darkness and into the story of God in Jesus Christ. Out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. We have become the children of the living God. Now, when, it, when we come into um, relationship with Jesus, we enter his good story. And we, whoop, we enter his good story. <clears throat> we enter his party. We enter into his authority where demons flee where water is turned into wine, where sickness is healed, where people are raised from the dead, where there is life and good news, where there is hope and freedom, where there is forgiveness from, sh from shame and death, we enter into Jesus's story. We, the people of Jesus, are the people of, of the resurrection story. We come out of death and into life. We are quite literally born into his kingdom. We come into his kingdom where he is Lord. Not only do we get a new kingdom to live in, but we also get a new father to have a relationship with. And the father is no longer the one who lies to us. The father is no longer the one that condemns us. The, the, that, that demonic father that we are all born under, that father is no longer our father. Because in Jesus, we come out from under that father and into the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come into another relationship. We get a new father. We get a father who speaks over us words of life truth and affirmation we get to we get to enter into a relationship with the father who makes us new we as the people of jesus we get to taste of not just a kingdom that is to come in the here and now in the life and death and resurrection of jesus but we also get to enter into a relationship with the father of our lord jesus right here and now 
God is making all things new. We get a new kingdom, we get a new king, we get a new kingdom, we get a new father, and we get a new life. We are born again. All because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. The Lord Jesus is making all things new. Revelations 21 speaks about the prophetic future hope that has actually now been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, where God says he has now made all things and is making all things and will make all things brand new in the one who sits on the throne beside the Father. Jesus, as Lord and King, is now advancing that love, that revolution of life into his creation. And when I say creation, I say I mean the full created order, the heavens and the earth. Remember, we don't live these Greek-separated realities where heaven's up there somewhere and earth is way down here and there's a big gap. We don't live in that. That's a, that's a worldview we don't live in. We live in the worldview where God is the maker of heaven and earth and all things hold together in the person of Jesus Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians, as he wrote to the church in Ephesus. Jesus, Lord, King, holder of all things, the one through whom, to whom, and all things are made, spoken into existence, and are returning unto him. It's all about Jesus. And church, you're the resurrected people of Jesus you're not the resurrected people of, an, of, a, of, a, of anyone else. In your entering into the party with Jesus, in your entering into the room of Jesus, you have taken on a new countenance, a new father, a new identity, and a new life. And everyone who's outside the party, when I say everyone, I'm talking about demons and darkness, they're trying their best to tell you you're not really in the party. You're not really in the party. And the fruit of that little lying conversation to those of us who are in the party room enjoying the Lordship of Jesus Christ, those voices, the fruit of that is actually, yeah, maybe Jesus isn't all that we can be looking to for. Maybe I need to take some control of my life. Maybe I can't trust him with my relationships. Maybe he, he can't resolve the issues I'm having in my marriage. Maybe he can't do this. Maybe he can't feed the, 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 the growing number of poor in our city. Maybe he's not big enough for all of those things. They're just the lies of the enemy. Jesus is Lord of all. He owns it all. It's all his. He's broken the power of death. And the reason why death is nattering away at the window sills of the party that we're on, that we're in, is because they're defeated and they are sour about it. The kingdom of darkness is sour about it. We've got a new life to live. Revelations 21 talks about how Jesus is now making all things new. Every heart that comes into the freedom of the grace and the experience of Jesus and his forgiveness, all things new. Every relationship that turn, people where people turn in humility to Jesus with their circumstances and relationships, all things new. Every financial circumstance or need for provision in bringing the little that we have, we offer it up to the great God who owns all things and he makes all things new with the little that we bring. You know, I remember the story, you know, here at 
PRV years ago when we were purchasing this building and it was at the time it was 1.2 million dollars and at the time when we were purchasing it we were probably a group not much bigger than we are now and we had to come up with $275,000 but Jesus was inviting us into it so we went there and the money came over a 12-month period just money came money came and right at the last minute the contract nature was changed right at the last minute. And so as a result of that, it meant we had to find GST, which was about another $120,000. We're like, well, where are we going to get that from? Well, the bank said, we want you to get this building, so we'll cover the GST because it, the GST will be returned to us in, at, at the end of the next quarter at the BAS, when the BAS statement has to go back. All you'll need to do is come up with the interest. Well, that interest was $8,000. Oh, Lord! Oh, Lord! Where are we going to get $8,000 from? Well, someone in the church sold their home and came to us and said, hey, look, we've just sold our home and God told us, here, give that $8,000. That's just like in the book. Have you read the book? It's a good book to read. Try reading the book, Acts 2. I remember how there was a what we thought was a last-minute like hurdle it was like oh god how could this ever happen it's it's like it's falling away from us and it was just another opportunity for him to prove to us and our lack of faith and his greatness of just how good he is and he is all powerful and all present god is a great king his name is jesus all things new every physical condition this morning michael gave testimony this morning to the fact that while we were praying for him he experienced a measure of healing sickness or whatever it was that, uh, that was touched in the name of Jesus, all things new. All things new. The thousands of people that we've prayed through as a fellowship of believers over the years, both here in this church and all over this country, and where you and I and bunches of others of us have tracked all over the earth following King Jesus, have seen him heal thousands. All things new. We have seen families restored to each other. All things new. We have seen people set free from the power of the enemy and the addiction and the shame that he binds people with. All things new. We have seen people equipped to partner with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. All things new. Every food parcel, I cannot, I, I, we could measure it. We could put a, a measure to this tool. But off the top of my head, I cannot think of how many thousands of food parcels we have given to the poor in the name of Jesus. And the enemy wants to say, there's not enough. And our story is, our God says there will always be enough for the poor. We're telling another story. We're living another story. We're living in the party of Jesus where he's a good king and he's making all things new. Every young person here on a Friday night, there's just like truckloads of them pouring in here on a Friday night. It's 25 of them here again on last Friday night. Jesus is meeting them, all things new. Our children in there this morning are encountering Jesus, all things new, despite our best parenting efforts, all things new. Every time we get the privilege to advocate to those in power on behalf of those that don't have, all things new. Every time we get to give generously of our finances to the work of the kingdom of God in our local church and more, all things new. 
the joy of living our lives by sharing them with each other in small groups, all things new because we don't live in isolation anymore, do we? We live in the party of Jesus. PRV, we're a local church of Jesus' people and we've been called into the ministry and the message of him to proclaim his kingdom, that he's a good God, where we get to enter his story. We get to be introduced to his loving, faithful father. We get to experience a whole new life to be lived. And then at the same time, we enter a new family. All of these things, when we enter the story of Jesus, all of these realities, we've been rescued. We've been given a good father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. So from now on, you do know him because you've seen him in seeing me, Jesus is saying in John 14. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, he says. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? We get a new father, we get a new life, we are born again. I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, Paul says, and I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in Jesus, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, they are a new creation. It has come upon them. The old has gone and is going and the new is here and soon coming, all at the same time. We live in this new family, this community of Jesus, this preview reality to the rest of the world of what it looks like when God gets his way with a group of people. Don't underestimate the power of the story that God is writing through you. It's a wonderful thing. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed. All the believers were together. They held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together, glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number. Just as, and, and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, just as a body though, has many parts, so it is with Jesus Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew, Gentile, slave or free. We were all given one spirit to drink, even so the body is made up, is, is not made up of one part but of many. We enter a new family, which means he's going to rewrite our understanding of family with how he does it as a good king with a loving father. There's a whole new value system that God is writing into his people. And this morning, I want to just quickly finish with this. If I can get there. We are the people of Jesus. We desire that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' love, mercy, grace, truth, purity, power, and integrity would shine through all that we do and who we are. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Paul says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. It comes out of the dearly loved children part. You've got to pay attention to that. You're dearly loved by God. That's why he sent Jesus. Remember that, John 3? 
For God so loved the world. You dearly loved. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to walk like Jesus. We want his life in us. I'm reading a book at the moment. It's a good one. It's called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. And he makes this comment. I love it. It's a good one. He says, The salvation of your soul and your life is not just about where you go when you die. He says, The word salvation means healing and deliverance at the deepest level of who we are in the care of God through the presence of Jesus. Let me just read that again. It's really important you hear it because we're often so destination-focused we, we, we're not really good at diagnosis. We're more interested in about the destination rather than the diagnosis of health. The salvation of your soul and your life is not just about where you go when you die. The word salvation means healing and deliverance at the deepest level of who we are in the care of God through the presence of Jesus. Right here, right now. So when it comes to life with God, Here's three little things that I'd like you to consider this week as you go about doing your life in the party of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, in the care of God. Firstly, um, God wants to make every moment of my life glorious with his presence. Just let that land. Colossians 1.27 reads this, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God actually wants to shine through you, through us, to fill us with the beauty, the splendour and the wonder and the magnificence of the person of Jesus, the Son of God, that his brilliance, his creativity, his life, his compassion, his forgiveness, his authority and power would shine bright through you and me. The best place to start doing life with God is in the small moments. This week. So this week as you're journeying with Jesus, let's just chew on the first one there. Actually, Lord, you're alive in me, the hope of glory for the world. You're living and ruling and reigning through me. And you want them in the party just as much as you've drawn me into the party. You're going to reach out through me. You want to shine brilliantly through me through my academic discourse, through my care for the poor, through my artwork, through the way I cook a meal for my children, for the way I generously reach into the resources that you've blessed my life with to give away for the sake of your kingdom, brilliantly, gloriously through us, through me. The best place to start doing life with God is in the small moments, in your daily commute, when the person next to you cuts you off or jumps in front of you in the line at the recycling centre. <laughs> that was very personal. 
You noticed that, did you? <laughs> you know, it was... So we go up there to the bottle shop, you know, hang, you know, it's, it's got this massive queue of people and we're like, I don't know, we were there for about 45 minutes in the queue, you know, recycling all these bottles for $12 to be able to go to the Mercy Centre. But anyway, we're there for about 45 minutes and we're just getting close to the front of the line. It's almost our turn and the lady in front of us turns around and says, oh, and she's got like a big load trolley full of stuff. She says, oh, do you mind if my husband joins me? I said, no, sure, come on. I, I said, sure, come on through. Little did I realise he also had another big trolley full of stuff that he... And I went, shine through me, Lord Jesus, shine. Shine through me, Lord Jesus, shine. Let the brilliance of your kingdom be on my face right now. May the gratitude of my heart for your generosity to me through all of my life just spill over towards these people right now. That's where it cuts in, the small moments. It's where the new creation work of being born again actually finds life. It's seeded in the soil of the, of the daily life. Start living in the, like, the fields that your feet are actually in and stop living as if you were wishing you were somewhere in the sky. Because we don't live by that. We live in the kingdom of God, in the commute, the home to-do list, you know, the stuff that you would rather not do, but you know that if you do these little things that we perceive as menial or a waste of our time actually bless the other members of our household through our little acts of servant life, in our meetings, in our phone calls, Oh, they're ringing me again. In the deadlines that are upon us in all of the little moments, when others are more important than we think we are about ourselves as well. Hurry. Hurry. Hurry is one of the major things that we all have to deal with and actually prevents us from flourishing in the life that's in the vine. Hurry and busy are two different things. When you're hurried, you're being driven by external realities. When you're busy, you're partnering with what Jesus is doing in the moment. In the small stuff and the big stuff. Don't be hurried. Be busy, but don't be hurried. Be partnering with what Jesus is doing. Be busy about that but don't be hurried. Don't feel like the load is getting too much and you're never going to get to everything because everything outside you wants to tell you you're not able to keep up. Well, that's okay. I'm not living according to everything out there telling me I can't keep up. I'm living according in the small moments of the busyness of my life of just following Jesus and trusting him in that space, in that moment, in the everyday for the ordering of my life and the implications of everything around me. Who's hounded by, by hurry? Who's, I mean, like, am I the only one in this room where hurry wants to come along and press me? I, 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 I see that hand. Good on you. Hurry is a real thing that we all wrestle with. Be busy, but don't be hurried. Jesus was busy, but he was never hurried. And, and lastly, people do look different when you see them with God. How we get along with people says 
a lot about where our heart rests in relationship with Jesus. Often we feel like we need to wear masks wherever we are, in relationships, in groups, in workplaces, wherever, to project and present an image that would make people see us the way that we think they should. That's a really tiring, heavy burden, this projection stuff. Just let it go and let the new life of Jesus in you come alive in you so that you don't have to project anything but that you're actually free, free in Christ. Often um, <clears throat> along with this, not only do, are we set free from having to project an image but we're also able to see others as God sees them. I'm very thankful that Jesus saw me through the eyes of the Father's love and that he welcomed me into relationship with him and his party. Imagine for a moment how our everyday world, the one that we do our going and coming and in the middle of, would possibly respond if we started looking at people the way God sees them. 2 Corinthians 5.16, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in this way, we don't do that anymore, Paul wrote. So let me just finish here. Jesus, as Lord and King, has brought us into his kingdom. He's brought us into relationship with his Father. You and I, we're his kids. And you know what? Uh, for those of you who have had the parenting experience, sometimes kids do dumb stuff. You actually might have even had an ex have some memories of your own when you were a kid and you made some dumb decisions that hurt yourself, that hurt your family, that hurt the ones you love. But as a parent um, and as God looks us at us through Jesus as a as a loving father, he's saying, I'm going to look past the dumb stuff. I've made you for more. I'm going to bring you into it. He's committed to us coming alive every day. Don't let the dumb stuff hound you and don't let the enemy lay it on you again and again. You've been born again. You're a new creation coming alive to God. The old has come and the new is here and you now belong to a new family. You've been called out of the darkness, out of the isolation, and into a new people, walking life to God. The journey to becoming more like Jesus here at the Vineyard is a one that we love. We value this. We want to be Christ-like. We want to be a people of the glorious presence of Jesus. Let me get there. No, I've missed it. We want to be a people of the glorious presence of Jesus. We're a people who do, do life with God in the small daily moments. And we're a people who see each other and others through the eyes of the Father.